This is a majority of people are struggling to sleep. And fundamentally, why that's happening is because we're constantly exposed to light stimulus, telling our brain, be alert, be awake. everyone to Diary of an Empath. So today's show, I have been wanting to do an episode on sleep for the longest time, probably since I started this podcast. I've been looking for the perfect guest to do this because this is something that I struggle with. And I know that there's a lot of you listening who struggle with this as well. My next guest is Olivia Arizolo. She is Australia's number one sleep expert. She has been seen on media outlets such as the Today Show and Forbes magazine. She also is the author and the best-selling sleep book called Bear, Lion, or Wolf. She helps people around the world get a better night's sleep. Olivia, yes, and I saw the book, and it is doing so amazing. So Mm -hmm. I love, love, love that you really focus on sleep because it is something that I have really struggled with for a long time. And one thing that I was reading about you is, is you really had this kind of transformation when you were younger. So I'm really curious. First of all, thank you for being on the show. I'm very humbled. And I'm just curious as to what your background is and, and how you got into this niche of sleep and what made you so intrigued with it. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, first of all, you're in Australia, right? I know, right? I'm I'm ahead of time. (laughs) So my background and the transformation that you're speaking about. So when I was in my teens, I was suffered really bad Um, mental health problems, including depression, anxiety, and anorexia, including like hospitalizations. And so I I remember there was this one time when I was in hospital and I wanted to go to a birthday party, but I wasn't allowed because I was too unwell. It dawned on me that if I didn't get better, that I would miss out, not just on that birthday party, that I would miss out on everything. And I realized it just was like a real, a real, a real sliding doors moment. I really just saw, I was like, which path am I going to go? I thought, you know what? I, I don't want this to be the rest of my life, you know? revolving hospital doors things like that and so I just thought well if if I gave as much energy to getting better than I did to you know staying unwell then I would actually get better so I really from that I just I just gave it my all of my energy and gave leveraged all the support I could and you know listened and uh, you know took all of my recommended you know treatments and therapy sessions and everything and you know I did get better which was great and from that I realized like I wanted to be that to help others achieve the same because I remember how bad it felt but I also remember and then I was seeing how good it could be as well you know I was able to live my life again I was able to you know share time with my friends and I was able to you know participate in life again and just be a normal human and I realized I want I want that for everyone to complement my experience I knew I needed to study so I did a bachelor of social science psychology a certificate of sleep psychology a diploma of health science nutritional medicine and a certificate for important fitness because I knew that although I didn't know exactly how it was going to help if I studied and had like underpinnings of psychology and nutrition and sleep and fitness then I'd be able to help in a really holistic manner and that's always been my thought process you know to help on a holistic level so I did that and then I was um, coaching in that space like just in various spaces and then I started having some sleep clients 
and they got really good results really fast. And then I started speaking to other people about it and I realized that everyone was struggling and no one was doing anything about it, but there was a real need for somebody to be a guide in for sleep. That's why I chose sleep because it wasn't that I was – my objective is to help people feel their best inside and out, but how they need that is via sleep because, you know, I'd been working in the wellness industry for like 10 years or, you know, eight, eight years or so when I started to get into sleep. And all that time, it was very much like I was trying to, you know, give out. I was like, oh, you know, let me help you with this. Let me help you with this. It was very much like I was pushing. As soon as I specialized, you know, as soon as I started talking about sleep, it was like a blanket. It was just everyone was just like, help me, help me, help me, help me. And I was just like, it was so clear that people really needed help. So I want to help people. People want help with sleep. Therefore, I help with sleep. I love that you you had this kind of pivotal moment of like, I have to help myself or I'm going to continue down the same path. And I think that's really difficult for a lot of people. And I, I can relate in a lot of ways. When I was younger, I dealt with a lot of depression and a lot of just, it, it's hard being a young adult. It's hard being a teen. And mm-hmm. I think for me, I kind of had that same pivotal moment. I think for me, it was more when I had my daughter and I'm like, okay, I have to change something. Mm-hmm. So for you, just going back to what were you saying, what would you say that pivotal moment was for you? Was it that time when you were thinking about the birthday and just saying, I got to do it? Or was there something specifically that happened? I think it was that that night. But also I was sort of just looking at myself. So I was in this hospital ward and there were other girls that were, you know, like new girls and then girls that had been there, you know, multiple times. And I just dawned on me. I was just like, am I going to be one of those girls that just keeps on coming in and out, in and out, in and out, you know? And because, yeah. you know, they, they do like funny things, you know, like, you know, so, so it was an eating disorders ward. And so like it's horrendous in the public system, at least my experience with it was because it's basically like they provide you very very little psychiatric care and it's really just about gaining weight which I understand is is important in you know recovering from an eating disorder but the thing is that like psychologically they don't nurture that sequence but the thing is that because it's a public system they don't have space to do that because they know that if they don't if they don't beef you up enough soon enough that there's another person that's literally going to die because there's not enough beds. So I understand that was the principle, you know, but it was really like distressing because some of the girls were like, oh, you know, I'm just going to get out and just, you know, like exercise and I'm going to go back to doing this. And, you know, it's just like, it's like, ah, I don't want to be on that. Yeah. Like I just, no, I want to go to my friend's birthday party. Right. And you wanted a (laughs) life. And and I love that you found I love that you found a way to help others because sleep really is very underestimated. And I think that people don't realize the impact that sleep has on life. So tell me, what does sleep have in terms of impacting life if you're not getting enough sleep? Why do we need it? Why is it important? So one of my first chapters in my book covers the key signs of sleep deprivation. So I'll draw upon that. Obviously, fatigue is one. Another one is, um, you know, you make more mistakes. So 29% of all workplace errors can be attributed to fatigue alone. Outside of that, loss of productivity. They're, you're like four times less productive when you're sleeping less than five hours. You cognitively have an impairment in a brain region called the frontal lobe, which is responsible for decision-making, 
judgment, emotional regulation, and time management. So you actually can't make clear, considered decisions. You are completely unable to use your brain effectively. And this is why, you know, when we are when we are sleep deprived, and I think a lot of people, it doesn't, they don't notice it until it's really, really bad. But, you know, I'm sure that, you know, if you've had sleeping problems, then you'll resonate with this. Like, you just can't even string a sentence together. Like, you don't know what day it is sometimes. Like, you just, side, side note, side sweat. Um, a few weeks ago, I was so excited because I just launched an online program called Sleep School and I've been working on it for like six months. And I was so excited that day that I literally slept for one hour. Well, congratulations on the program. Oh, thanks. thanks. Um, but I was just so excited that I just had like a, like a thousand ideas and all of this. So anyway, so I sat for my one hour and then I woke up and, you know, I was full of ideas. And then literally by like, so I slept from like 1 a.m. until like 2 a.m. And then by like 7 a.m., my brain was just mush. Like I was sitting in front of my laptop and I just, I knew my brain existed but I just couldn't get it to do anything. That's like, that's the cognitive side of things. Um, you know, mental health is a really big one. So after one night of insufficient sleep, we have a 37% rise in a stress hormone called cortisol. This leads us to feeling anxious, wired, and unable to switch off. It's so intriguing how how even just the 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 lack of sleep how it can affect your day and I know for me it's so relatable because I was like a, a freaking robot um, for the for a while I was working full time still doing my podcast and still running a business still working out still dancing and not stripper dancing just no no judgment to anyone who does but <laughs> I was literally going on overload and. I was getting like maybe four or five hours of sleep. And then on the weekend, I would crash 10, 12 hours. And now that I've slowed down, I still haven't fully gotten my sleep under control. Mm -hmm. And that makes me wonder, are there just certain types of people who are just more night owls and are just not morning people? Because I want to be a morning person. I know you talk a lot in your book about chronotypes. And I tested and I I think I'm a bear from what it Mm -hmm. tells me. And maybe I'm just not meant to be a morning person. I want to be a morning person. But tell me about chronotypes. What are they? Are we really just some people, not morning people? Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. Chronotypes, what are they? It's a categorization system reflecting your inherent desire to sleep and wake at a particular time. Sounds fancy, but that's actually all it is. So it's you know, it's that old age, uh, night owl, morning, morning bird. And then there's a group in the middle called bears. But yeah, I, I term them lions are the early, early risers. Bears are the ones in the middle. And then wolves are the ones who are late risers. So like that's our underlying, our underlying preference will be, you know, one of those things. However, sometimes we don't get what we always want. And, you know, you need to be a morning person because, you know, you're, you're a wolf and you want to sleep in until eight o'clock, but you've got a job that starts at 5am. And so how do you manage that? And one of the best things is to actually 
you can shift into a earlier chronotype by following the recommendations for that chronotype. So for example, we'll like lions are encouraged to get up early, do exercise, eat a light meal, and then save their bigger meal for like lunchtime. That can help you shift into an earlier pattern because so like exercise, for example, that stimulates an awakening hormone like adrenaline and it suppresses our sleepiness hormone melatonin. So if that's something, you know, if you're trying to shift into an earlier pattern, then, you know, looking at the recommendations they have for lions and for that earlier pattern are going to serve you in order to shift into that earlier pattern. So that's what I maybe need to start doing because on top of all of that, I was working out at night. Probably the worst thing that I can do for myself. It sounds like there's hope. So I'm trying to now shift my patterns into you know, getting into a better routine. So speaking of routines, how important is a nighttime routine? Does it matter? Is there specific tools that somebody can use if they are trying to improve their sleep? Yeah. So the bedtime routine is like fundamental. There's no way around it. You can't have a bad bedtime routine and expect to have healthy sleep. It just doesn't work like that. I have a signature bedtime routine, which 100% of my private clients have used and see improvements in their sleep in less than seven days. So that's something that I definitely recommend. It does vary a little bit by each chronotype. So light is the number one factor to control the circadian rhythm, which means it's the number one factor to control your melatonin levels and your circadian rhythm. So melatonin is the key reason it's a key hormone to help you fall asleep so if you have more melatonin then you'll you'll fall asleep much easier if you have less melatonin you'll find it more difficult what controls melatonin light by wearing these blue light glasses you don't have the same suppression of your melatonin levels that you would normally do if you're exposed to normal light so it sounds like light plays a big part when it comes to sleeping patterns. So what about morning then? Because we, we hear a lot about bedtime routines and how it's important, but are morning routines important? Because I think too, when we talk about, or when we even think about the fact that electricity hasn't been around that long in terms of our evolution, right? So, you know, for the longest time we were used to getting up with the sunrise, going to sleep with the sunset. Maybe you'd have some candlelight, maybe you would have some fire, but electricity really is rather new. So how does morning routines affect sleep and what would a good morning routine look like for somebody? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to share. So this is actually something that I cover in my online course, Sleep School. The morning routine is, okay, it's it's just behind the evening routine. And the most important thing of your morning routine is to be exposed to light. Now, if you are a lion or a bear, you need a minimum of 20 minutes in direct sunlight in the first hour that you're awake because the circadian rhythm is the most sensitive to light in the first hour. If you're a wolf, who are typically more fatigued in the morning or you're just finding yourself typically fatigued in general, then you need a minimum of 40 minutes. If there's no natural sunlight available when you are getting up, then there's something called light therapy, which is like a light box and you get it and you literally just sit yourself in front of this light box and it's bright sunlight, it mimics sunlight. And again, it acts as a zeitgeber, so it affects you to control your circadian rhythm. 
which in the morning, so it's the opposite of what we want to do in the evening. So in the evening, we want no light. In the morning, we want lots of light. It's funny, like I feel like I harp on about light a lot, but there's nothing more important when it comes to controlling your sleep than light, which is why we're having such problems now because these beautiful devices here are full of light and we're, we're constantly on them. And so our circadian rhythm is literally being sent signals to be, to suppress melatonin 24-7 and to be alert and awake all the time. And so if you think about how many people do you know struggle to switch off, are feeling unable to fall asleep, waking through the night? There was a recent study that found that 78% of Aussies were kept awake through the night with random thoughts and that 65% struggled to stay asleep. This is a majority of people are struggling to sleep. And fundamentally why that's happening is because we're constantly exposed to light stimulus telling our brain be alert be awake i was saying i agree i think that we're we're in a generation now too of social media and that's really changed the game technology has changed everything and and i think too and i completely i'm not surprised that these studies are coming out that technology is affecting the type of sleep we have. I'm guilty. I'm sometimes on my phone and next thing I know it's midnight. So it's not even the light exposure. It's that stimulus to my brain and mm. not even talking about the dopamine releases that we're probably getting by being on social media. And next thing I know, it's like one, two o'clock in the morning and right. I'm getting five hours of sleep. It's it's right. a problem. And it a problem. I, I wonder, just not even Australia, worldwide, it's those numbers are probably like 20 times. Without a doubt. And what about sleep quality? So we talk about how important it is for morning routines, how important it is for nighttime routines, but what about the quality of sleep? Why is it important for somebody to get good quality deep sleep? And if somebody is struggling with that, you know, what are some tools that they can maybe do before bed to help get better sleep or a deeper sleep? Quality sleep? Very important because only when you get slow wave sleep, that's the, that's like deep sleep. That's when your body produces growth hormone, which is the key hormone to assist in cell repair and cell renewal. So after a day of wear and tear, our, our cells are tired. They need to replenish and refresh. Only when you go into slow wave sleep that you have that, that full re- replenishment experience. And something for the ladies or guys who value collagen, growth hormone is the key the key driver of collagen. So, you know, like beauty sleep, it's a thing because when we go into slow wave sleep, our bodies produce growth hormone. And when they produce growth hormone, they produce collagen. So if your growth hormone goes down, you age faster, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And you feel, this is why after only a few hours sleep, you just feel really worn out. You haven't had enough cellular repair for your muscles to feel energized. So that's why you just feel really just rubbish and lifeless and you just feel like sitting around doing nothing. Because your body's like, I haven't had enough cellular repair. That's one reason. Another reason why deep sleep is important is because you detoxify from a brain neurotoxin called beta amyloid. Beta amyloid increases by 5% after one night of insufficient sleep and a buildup of beta amyloid contributes to memory loss, brain fog and long term if it becomes plaques in the brain is a sign of Alzheimer's disease. I need to really get better sleep. (laughs) 
Yeah, I did. That's something new. I've never heard that. So that's really interesting. And I think for me, this was going on over a period of two years. I'm just now starting to make changes because I know it's a problem. And it's scary when you think about it, because we really just don't realize just how imperative it is to get good quality deep sleep. Now, I was somebody who at times would take supplements, melatonin or things to help me sleep. Sometimes I would have a glass of wine. Do supplements work? Not all, some. Is it something that can be taken over a long period of time or is it something that is only good for short periods? Some. Melatonin, what the clinical research shows is that it's best for short-term use only one to three months. It's best to correct, like say, if you, for example, you're shifting into a new time zone, um, really helpful for jet lag minimization or also very helpful for shift workers. But ideally, it is short term. That's what the research indicates thus far. Magnesium can be very, very helpful, provided it's the right form of magnesium. Magnesium glycinate, biglycinate, di- diglycinate and citrate are the best for sleep. That's really important to look for in a magnesium supplement. But I want to loop back to your second question that you asked me initially, you know, what are some of the things that people can do, you know, if you are looking to get better sleep? Honestly, again, number one, blue light glasses. I can't stress the importance of it. You can be having all the great supplements, have a great diet, be getting up really early, doing your exercise, you know, cutting out food hours before sleep. But if you're not blocking out light, it's like you're going to the gym and working out and doing all the, all the exercises and then you're going home and eating chocolate every day. It's just, and you're, and you're not getting your gains and you're like, what's going on? Like you can do everything right, but if you're not doing the main thing right, then you're going to have problems, like a lot of problems. So it's like, I'd actually rather you do just one thing, which is block out blue light and use blue light free glasses than do all the other things. Because the one thing that's going to make the most difference is light. It plays a crucial part. That's so interesting. Yeah. I know that for me, like I, I'm on my phone, but I've never done the blue light. And I know that I'm looking at screens all day long, work, podcasts, social media. I'm guilty of it. Now for mm-hmm. the blue light glasses, is this something that you should only block out after a certain time? Or do you say all day wear them? No. so. The thing is that blue light's actually helpful for us in moderation. So these these glasses in particular, the ones with the re- with the red lenses. Um, and by the way, I have a recommended brand in my sleep kit on my website. Again, I'll show you the um, I'll link you guys as well. So these ones need to be worn for a minimum of two hours if you're a lion, two and a half hours if you're a bear, and three hours if you are a wolf, or longer if you're having sleeping problems. So that's in the evening before bed. Throughout the day, when you're feeling too stimulated, it's really helpful to put on blue light glasses because exposure to blue light produces awakening hormones like cortisol and suppresses melatonin. When we reduce our exposure to blue light, we produce more melatonin, which helps us feel more relaxed. Throughout the day, if you are feeling too fatigued, then I would advise taking off blue light glasses. And then these are the digital lenses, like the ones with clear lenses. 
if you're feeling fatigued, but if you're feeling anxious and wired, then I would recommend putting them on. I've got specific recommendations in my book, in my sleep school as well. So it depends on what you're seeking and how you're feeling. Okay. And and what about naps? Because a lot of us too, sometimes will feel very fatigued during the day. I know for me, I am go, go, go. And then around a certain time, 2, 3 p.m., I tend to crash. And if I could take a nap, I would. Are naps good? Are they bad? Should we stay away from them? So naps can be helpful. There was research by Forbes, sorry, by NASA that found they boosted productivity by 34%, just a 26-minute nap, which was great. So they can be beneficial. However, you need to make sure that they follow my three-step perfect nap plan, which is one, keep it short, no longer than 30 minutes. This prevents you going into slow-wave sleep and that experience of sleep inertia when you wake up feeling really groggy. Step two is keep it dark, wear an eye mask. And three is keep it early. So you want to finish the nap no later than 3.30. However, the biggest problem is we have long or late naps and then they do impair our sleep and then then we're unable to sleep and then the cycle continues. So it sounds like naps are good, but the timing of the nap matters. So following a certain protocol under 30 minutes, try to keep it maybe no longer than 26 minutes. It can be beneficial. Anything over that, you can start to impair you know, functioning or sleep patterns, you know, throughout the day. So what about sleep consistency? Because a lot of people tend to do the Monday through Friday. I don't know how it is in Australia here in the US. It's typical Monday through Friday, nine to five weekends. Oh, I can sleep in. Yes, I can sleep in until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And so the sleeping patterns are inconsistent, I think, for a good majority of the population. Mm -hmm. Is that bad? Should we be doing that? Should we be keeping it consistent seven days a week? Consistency is key. What happens is melatonin is produced on a 24-hour cycle. So when you're having sleep-ins multiple days in a row, it's not a problem then. When it's a problem is when, when you try and go to bed at your usual time, say like Sunday night, and then you try and get up at your you know usual Monday morning wake-up time, which is earlier than just sleeping on a Sunday. Because melatonin has been produced at, say, like, so melatonin is produced while we're sleeping in the darkness. So that's been quite high when we've slept in on that Sunday morning until, say, maybe like 8 o'clock in the morning, right? We've kept really tired, kept sleepy. Come Monday morning, we're up at like 6. But yesterday at 6 o'clock, we were asleep. So our melatonin, because it operates on a 24-hour cycle, our melatonin levels are still really high. So Monday morning's awful really awful who hates monday morning everyone everyone (laughs) right that is one of the main reasons another reason why is because it delays your sleep that night so on that sunday night you'll find it particularly hard to fall asleep at your regular bedtime and probably want to stay up late and so you're probably not going to have as much sleep as you need on that sunday night because what happens is the body produces a hormone called adenosine, which is a sleep-promoting hormone. It's like melatonin, but it just operates in a way that the more adenosine, sorry, the more adenosine you have, the tighter you become. The longer you're awake, the more adenosine you have by sleeping in. And the body has a certain threshold. It needs a particular amount of adenosine in order to feel sufficiently tired to fall asleep. If you haven't been awake for enough time throughout the day, you don't have enough adenosine. Therefore, you don't sleepy and so you don't want to go to bed 
Yes, these are two reasons why sleeping is not advised. And if you are wanting to catch up on some sleep, take a nap. Good to know. So yeah, it really, it seems like consistency is needed. Light is very important. And even making those changes can really change the functioning of how we sleep. And I think that, you know, a lot of us are just in this robotic cycle of nine to five on the weekends, I'm going to go out or I'm going to do this and I can stay up later because I don't have to work tomorrow. And it does really disrupt it. I'm totally guilty yes. of it. And and I'm trying to be more mindful of, okay, getting up early on the weekends as well, not staying up late, but it is really difficult. And I wonder, mm-hmm. sometimes I ask, I, I ask myself, am I just the type of person who needs 10, 11 hours of sleep because I'm doing so much? Are there some people who genuinely need more than the recommended eight hours of sleep? And are there some people that really don't need eight hours? Yes. Remind me, you did my chronotype quiz on my website and you're a bear, right? I'm a bear. Yes. Yeah. So bears typically need more sleep than wolves and lions. Lions need the less, the least sleep. So they're generally okay on around seven hours. Bears need like eight, nine, potentially even more sometimes, and then wolves fall somewhere in the middle. This comes back to our genes that code for our sleep needs, which also code for our circadian preferences. They're interlaced, but basically there's a gene, for example, DEC2. Those with that gene need 6.25 hours of sleep to feel rested, whereas those without the gene need eight point, or sorry, a unique variation of the gene need 8.06 hours of sleep to feel rested. Okay, so I might just need more since I'm a bear. I just might need more sleep. Bears need more. It also comes down to your sleep debt. So you mentioned, you know, you've been really running on empty for many years. This takes a long time for the body to replenish. And I think longer than we realize. And, you know, we think that we're feeling good, but then you have like one of those really good night's sleep and you're like, wow, I haven't felt this good in ages. It's just a reminder that you're how much sleep you actually need to have. Wow, that's that's good. So I am going to have to read your new book. So let's talk about this because you have a book, Bear Lion Wolf, Bear Lion or Wolf. So tell me about your book. What drove you to want to write this and what does it focus on? It sounds like to me it's focusing on those different chronotypes or different types, but what can somebody look for in the book if they're interested in and in getting more sleep? The first thing is learning about chronotypes and learning about the reasons why you may not have been able to sleep properly, so there may sleep sabotage. Um, I think that's really valuable because I think a lot of people just don't understand why they're not sleeping well and they're like, oh, it's just stress. Stress is a sleep sabotage, but also it's light. Also it's this, also it's this, you know, everything in, in the book I share. And I feel like that gives people a good understanding and just makes them feel like, like there's nothing actually wrong with them. You know, some people, I think, before they understand these reasons, just think, oh, I'm just a bad sleeper, like it's just part of my identity. No, 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 you're a bad sleeper because of X, Y, Z. Like behavioral traits have a lot to do with our sleep patterns and override our genetic predisposition. So I think that's something, that's a really good takeaway from the book also. And I think more importantly, I give step-by-step guides for each chronotype in order to sleep better. That's really valuable because I feel like a lot of people just don't know what to do. And, you know, it's a step-by-step guide for your bedtime routine, for your morning routine, for your diet, for your supplements, for the alternative therapies that you should have. 
all of these things specified in really, really like, you know, great detail. I think that's really helpful. And that's, that's what's in my book. I also covered that in my online course, Sleep School as well, depending on how you like to absorb information. I feel like both of them are really great platforms to get a really specific guide about how to sleep better. And as soon as you implement the strategies, that's when you start to sleep better. So it's really exciting because this is stuff I've been sharing with my private clients for years and having like an online program people just literally enroll in or having a book that people can buy off the shelf. It's a lot more accessible beyond, you know, just the time that I can give to people. So yeah. I love that. I, I love that because we just, we really don't think about the impact that sleep has. And maybe that's why you're feeling anxious. Maybe this is why you're feeling fatigued. And maybe some people who are dealing with mood issues, or maybe they're dealing with anxiety or stressors, or they think that their, you know, energy levels are low because of other things. And it might really be related to sleep. So I love that this is like a step by step guide for them. And so I'll link everything for um, everyone to find your book and your website and your courses. I, I always end I have a kind a tradition on my podcast where I ask my guests if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice what would you tell yourself your younger self make more space for friends and fun <laughs> you know I was just so focused on my goals all the time that like during my 20s I feel like everyone else was having fun but I was always just like being strategic and working and you know thinking and planning and studying and all of this. And so like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm 32 now and I'm getting it back. And we all get so much joy out of just simple things like, you know, just hanging out with our friends and catching up for, you know, at dinners at home and stuff like that. And I really didn't make space for that when I was in my 20s because I was just so focused on my work and my studies. And so, and I feel like I still, that, I feel, I feel sad because that's like the joy of life, you know, just those little moments, you know, sharing a picnic with your friends or, you know, getting ready together with your girlfriends before going out. Like that's such a joy. So I would say, Olivia, like get off your, get out of your laptop, stop studying and go and have some fun. I think that's where I'm at now. I think I, I probably had too much fun in my, in my early twenties yeah, yeah, and yeah. now I'm, I'm 36 now and I, I probably don't have enough of it. And so that's a good reminder for me. That's why I always like to ask my guests because I like to learn from them. And I know a lot of people listening are, are going to learn from this too. Um, you dropped so many gems and so many nuggets and, you know, thank you for what you're doing and uh, thank you for coming on the show. I, I'm so appreciative. It's been such an honor to be here and share time and space with you and I'm looking forward to everyone who has heard. I'd love to hear from them if they want to, you know, pop into my inbox on Instagram. I'd love that. Um, similarly, you know, with my sleep school, I'm happy to give you guys a. I'll share on the on the notes as well. I'll give you a unique discount code for your people, for your audience as well. I'd be honoured to have anyone who's listening to this in the course and. You know, reading the book and you know just connecting and sharing what they found the most valuable and you know how I can learn how I can support them ongoing so thanks for having me yes thank you and we will link everything for everyone to find you your Instagram your website and your book so um, thanks everyone and if you like this episode and you feel that somebody needs to hear it share it tag both of us we want to know we want to hear so thank you so much and until the next time see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath <laughs>